Would you turn in your Bibles to the book of Zechariah, chapter 8? Um, I, I know that what I'm going to be sharing today is, is um, I don't even know that I would call it prophecy. It's, it's more of, a, of, of an apostolic assertion based upon what we, we have uh, been preparing as saints to enjoy in the Lord. But it, it is somewhat interesting to, to recognize factors in the spirit realm. And I think that if, if we can just remain in prayer and be in the Word and listen to the Spirit, God will identify these things to where we, as, uh, like as Issachar, we understand the times and the seasons. We can see what is going on, and then we, we can discern what to do. And that's, that's the main thing, to discern what to do. And part of what discerning what to do is, is what not to do. And that's, that's a big thing, because there's a lot of things that, that I want to do that I don't, shouldn't do. Uh, as as an American, and this Memorial Day weekend is is always a special time where we where we celebrate and give thanks for the sacrifices that have ma been made by our military over the centuries, and um, it it really is a, a special time, and I would just I would just give you a warning to enjoy it while you can because. There are even some voices now that are wanting to eliminate Memorial Day and to turn it into some kind of, a, uh, of an expression of American imperialism. And that's, that's, a very, that's a very real thing that's being spouted on some of the college campuses. And, and I would say as well, if you, if you study about what, when Memorial Day, before it became a federal holiday, how it first began, it, it really started taking shape after the war between the states. And um, some say that it was begun really by a, an annual celebration or a remembrance in the South, but both the North and the South were doing it, and they pretty much did it around the same time where they would, uh, where they would memorialize those that they had lost in battle. And I, I just know that in some way that's going to be used to try to destroy the holiday itself. But while we still can speak about um, giving, giving honor to our military, we, we should do that. Now, again, I'm going to get into the word here in a minute. But I really want to recommend a book, and I've never done this before. I've never done this from the pulpit before. But there's a book that I've read about half of. I just got it the other day. I had to get it online because it's sold out. Um, by um, uh, Matthew Lohmeyer. And he wrote about a book called Irresistible Revolution. And he's the guy that was one of the commanders of the newly formed Space Force that uh, was removed from his position because... He wrote this book and, and participated in a podcast where he was identifying ways that Maoism 
was trying to infiltrate the American military. And it is one of the most fascinating books I have ever read. And it's real time. This guy is, is, is a lieutenant colonel in the military. And he, um, he is one of the most well-spoken. And uh, I heard him in an interview a couple days ago, which is what motivated me to get this book. And I, 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 it's been a long time since I've heard somebody who spoke so eloquently uh, and from a, really from a God-fearing perspective about what's going on right now. And I think we as Americans need to not only be aware of it, but we need to prayerfully insist that the, the evils of uh, communism don't get a grip on this country. And, um, you know, in the book he was talking about um, how when Mao Zedong really started to take over uh, and in, the, in the 40s, uh, actually he began earlier than that and he was kind of put off into a, a, a more remote village. But he, just the playbook that we've been seeing pulled out, poured out in society, it's just textbook. Maoism, uh, where you destroy history and you, you deconstruct or you get rid of history, and anybody that embraces history was publicly humiliated and beaten. And they they had a song that I think Mao wrote, and it was called "Believe." Can you believe this? Harden your heart, and it was one of the revolutionary songs that they all sang in stadiums, and they would sing it when they were beating people. Harden your heart. How's that for a hymn? Harden your heart. But we see the same principles of that being invested. And, you know, it hides behind other guises because communism always has a good and a bad. And whether it's class warfare or whether it's wealth warfare or whether in our case it's largely race warfare, um, it, that this, this is really trying to infiltrate our society, and it's doing a pretty good job of it. And all the talk about deconstruction and all the talk about um, dissolving history is, is really a primary tenet of, of uh, building a, a system that where the state is God. And that's really what the end times is, is to be. And you can, you can see this in a, in a very strange and perverted and twisted way. Um, I, I, I just, uh, I think we as saints need to be aware and we need to be in prayer because it's playing out in, in front of us. And I think you can see how this falls in line with the beast, the false prophet, and the antichrist uh, you know, the Bible from when we studied years ago about Antichrist and Belial and the way they were both described um, in almost lockstep from the Old Testament into the New. And when John wrote and, and the other, other writings in the New Testament warning about how the Antichrist did exist then and, and it usually comes out from the church. You know, I, I was looking... And, and I try not to do this because you have to really gauge what you feed on. Even though you know something's there, you don't need to look at it. 
but I, I heard, uh, I looked at a podcast. I don't want to go too far with this. Um, but I, I'll just say this. One of the podcasts that I looked at, and I did it on purpose, was stating that all white evangelicals are fascists. And this was being promoted throughout the progressive church. And I can just guarantee you this, that the, des the desire is to split the church. The desire is to bring division within the church. And it, you can remove white out of it. It's if, if, if there can be a division of people who believe the word and who love one another in God, and um, that, then f that then forms what the Antichrist really moves in because Antichrist is really against those who would walk as sons on behalf of the Father. That's literally what it means. They, 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 those that are walking in the anointing of sonship uh, and we're to be Christ-like. I mean, we, we are to be that. So anti-that is, is trying to destroy that in every way we can. So how does all of that? So I would encourage you. This, this book is sold out on Amazon. It's sold out in every other place. And again, I'm not, I, I'm not, this is not a political thing. This, is, this, is, it, this book is really fascinating because it's from an active military individual, obviously a Christian and somebody that is schooled and knowledgeable about history and how this played out in other countries, whether it was Russia or whether it was uh, China, and um, uh, how the, all, the, all the marks are there to where government then becomes God. And, and it is a fascinating book, and I think it would be good for you to read it. Like, I got it, I got it online on my phone I think it cost me like $8. Now, that's a good investment, let me tell you. This, this is good information for you to have. And um, so you may want to look at that. And if you ever hear this, this young man interviewed, again, I, 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 it's been a long time since I've heard somebody speak as eloquently and as measuredly, but yet with not saying, well, I think this is happening, saying this is what's happening. And I can tell you from this and this and this and this and this. So it's not too late to pray. You know, we're not going to stop what the Scripture says is coming in the time of the end. You're not going to be able to change Scripture. But the enemy always tries to change the times. And if we really are to be the saints who are functioning in partnership with the Father in the end times, which we are, we need to be aware of what our end, we're not ignorant of the enemy's devices. And, you know, if, if, you, if you don't understand how the deceiver is trying to deceive, you can be deceived. And like Mark was teaching today, you know, you can embrace those lies. But if you know what the truth is, then the lies don't really have any bearing on you unless you just let them. So what does all this have to do with where we are in this fifth month and what Zechariah speaks about with the fast of feasting? Well, it, it's amazing how this all plays into what Israel was facing at that time in their existence before the Lord.
One of the interesting things that I don't think we've really focused on in the past when we've taught on this is that the name Zechariah really means a memorial of Yahweh or someone who remembers the plan of God. And the, the root word of Zechariah is the word that is translated throughout the Old Testament as memorial. And there are a lot of memorials in the Old Testament. There are, you know, there's the, the famous memorial of uh, the, the 12 stones from when the crossing of the Jordan was. You know, whenever uh, incense, well, not every time in Scripture where incense is said to be burned before God, there are times where in Levitically it says that it rises as a memorial. And that really is to remember, and it's tied in with Yahweh. So the, the strange confluence here is you have the man that the Lord of hosts is saying, you need to, have, you need to instruct the people, thus says the Lord of hosts, that four months a year you need to forget you need to let go of the things that you've been mourning. You need to let go of the things of the past that, that you just keep stoking and it just drags you down. You need to let go of that, and it's being said by a guy whose name means remember. So you've got a guy whose name means remember what Yahweh has said, saying you need to forget these other things. It's interesting, isn't it? And, and it really is a necessity. If you're going to build anything new, you've got to forget, which is really the perversion of the enemy with uh, the things that are being said. Deconstruct. Let's get rid of it. We have to tear it down. We, oh, yes, but this thing has meaning. We'll harden your heart to it and get rid of it. But God says, you remember what my prophetic objective and identity is, but the things you forget are the things that, that are, have no meaning anymore, no matter how painful they were. You remember the lesson of what you should be, and you remember how you made mistakes in the past, but you don't mourn over them, and you don't live in a place where you say, well, everything's lost. Uh, we need to speak, I guess we better read this, even though we could pretty much already quote it. We've, we've shared so much over the years about it. Zechariah 8, verse 16. These are the things that you shall do. Speak every man truth to his neighbor and execute the mishpat of truth and peace in your gates. Truth, amet, the fulfillment of the aman. So you're speaking not just the things that, that God has been revealing, but you're speaking what he said he's going to do as if it's done. That's what you speak. You, sp you speak peace, restoration. You speak that fulfillment, that wholeness. And, and you, you better, I think one of the things that we as saints need to do as in these next couple of days is to remember what God has said to us. Remember what God has spoken over you. Remember the promises, the visions, the things that he has given, the dreams about what we are to fulfill in God. God hasn't forgotten those. And so you speak this. You, you, you speak every man the truth to his neighbor. You, you speak what God has said because it's going to be that way. I, I, one of the things I was 
really praying about this this past weekend, uh, really searching my own heart. Uh, and, and it's good for you to search, not from a, oh God, I'm so sorry, I just hate that. I just hate that because it's almost like a warning light. And it's like somebody where a warning goes off and then they just go crazy and they don't fix what's, what's wrong. But I really have gone before the Lord and asked, search me. And, and uh, this past year has kind of been that way. I've talked about it where I've revisited, the Spirit has revisited certain aspects of our walk here. And even though men, so many of them, I would think, God, I don't think we did anything wrong there. I think we walked with you and it was a miracle. But God wants to go back through them so that we can become perfected. That's how gold is perfected. If you've walked in truth and your faith is as gold, why does God keep wanting to perfect that? Because it, we want to we keep on getting better. A good and faithful servant. We want to be gooder, if it could be a word. And... Um, and so I, I would reflect on things, and I'd say, Lord, uh, if there's, as David wrote, see if there be any wicked way in me. Are there things in my life that, that, that um, you know needs to be um, made uh, better in, or, in conjunction with what's coming? And that's part of what the, the, the sop is in communion, which we're going to be sharing here in just a couple of minutes. Um, but we need to, as, as a people, as, as saints, reflect on what God has promised. And it might be good for you to make a list of those things that you know God has said he's going to do, that he's already been doing. You need to remind yourself of that. And if there are things that have been hurtful or painful, if, if there are things, and Katie's right, you know, I've, I, she was talking about this, some people just don't want to let go. They, wanna, they just want to keep holding people accountable, which is antithetic to what, it, what it's supposed to be to be a Christian. You know, you forgive, and you forget those things that are past. But some people just like holding on to that. And, you know, I, I, gosh, I remember, I remember when I was a kid, I've talked about this. We had a lot of, uh, a lot of my friends were from, um, their, their roots were first, sometimes second or third generation from other, other countries. And some of those Eastern European folks would really, they would get heated when they would talk to one another. Now the Irish would get heated too, but not in a way that the Eastern Europeans would. And, you know, they would, they would start arguing, and their voices would raise. And, and I would especially, I, I'm not making fun of people. I'm really not. I'm just saying the way it is. But a lot of the Italian folks, I mean, they would just, even when they talked to each other, it sounded like they were yelling at each other. They, they would just do that. And, and what would always end the argument would be somebody would bring up something from the past. And you have no answer for that. Say, you know, usually it would embarrass the person there. It's kind of like the, the, the prevailing trump card. And that would end the conversation. And everybody would kind of recoil until the next time that trump card was played. And I've seen that 
during the many years pastoring here when sometimes you would be in counseling with a couple and all of a sudden somebody would wheel out the napalm bomb and they'd throw down something from 20 years ago. Boom! And that ended the conversation. You couldn't get past that because whatever that person was bringing up, they just, boy, they, that, was, that was a winner. That was their grand slam. And it was never healed. It was never gotten past. And it was, it was a killer of conversation. And all it did was cause people, that family, to live in defeat. And this is what Israel was walking for decade after decade after decade. These four months were, were ungodly sorrow feasts. And they would talk about, oh, you remember when we were defeated. Oh, you remember the long march here. Oh, remember when all of our leaders were, were murdered. And off they'd go. And it just, it, God said, enough of that. I can't do anything with that. The angels can't do anything with that. You need to purge this from you. You need to purge that, that wounding. You need to get rid of it. Because, again, I remember hearing this taught uh, in, in counseling classes that, um, you know, unforgiveness doesn't hurt the person that you, that you have targeted. It only hurts you. It only hurts you. And that really is true. I, I've been around people that just held a grudge or they just, they were furious about something and they would let it out every now and then. And the person very often that they had a target focused on were oblivious to it. And the person that was in unforgiveness, they just were, it was gnawing at them all the time for years. And so when you talk about letting go of things while you yet remember what God has promised, what God's plan is, listen, that is the ticket to victory. And it's something that is inherent in this teaching. Zechariah, I think that's why God is such a poetic author of his, his redemption story. Why were John the Baptist's parents a, a priest named Zechariah's? And his supplication, you know, Gabriel comes and says, your supplication has been heard. Zechariah, who means remember the plan of God, had obviously forgotten that that supplication, and who can blame him? I mean, really, who can blame him? That supplication focused many, many years ago probably with him and his young wife. We want to have a child. And they felt that God was going to provide that. And decade passed after decade passed. And now here they are, old, very old, very old. And the Scripture says it that way. Well past childbearing age. Well, I'm not sure he was well past. You know, he said men can have babies uh, long, well into their later life. The problem is they just can't lift them anymore when, they, when they're born. But, um, you know, the thing was is that this man had forgotten what God had promised and had forgotten the supplication, but Gabriel sure hadn't, and God had and I wonder if, if we should evaluate what God has promised us. We, we're living it now. And listen, I can see it. I, it, it God, is, God is so amazing how he can, 
He can always have you tested in whether you're going to do this or not. I see the burgeoning harvest fields. I see them. I get the requests from people in many nations, and they're hungry, and they want this, and they're wanting to schedule. They're wanting to put together conferences. They're wanting to put together crusades. They're wanting to do these things. And, and, and I see that, and, and my spirit is stirred, this great South American army of saints, and, and, uh, and, and in Europe, and in, and in other places, we've been touching base, praying for Ratna in India, and, and uh, reaching out to our African brothers and sisters. All these great outposts of, of those that are praying in diversities of tongues and saints. But at the same time, I am continually as a man here in the United States, and I'm here with all of you who I love dearly, but I think, God, if there ever, your, your sense of humor is just amazing that this touch point, this temple, would be manned by such a, such a small remnant, but that there are hundreds and thousands of people around the world and there are more being added. Only God could do that thing, but it's, it's a test. It's a test that I have to deal with every day. Uh, and, and maybe that's just, you know, sometimes you feel, I've been studying about Elijah and the promises of the Elishas, but I've really been delving into what Elijah said to God twice. What he said, and I, uh, you know, I remember the easy mark for preachers was, well, Elijah was great in public ministry, but his relationship with God wasn't all that it was to be. I've heard that, I've read that, and I think that's that's really it's well meant, but it's it's really. You have to be in the midst of that crux to, to understand what Elijah felt, what Moses felt. There's, there are spiritual influences that are there, and you really do feel like you failed. You really do feel like, like everything has passed you by, and at the same time, you're looking forward to partner with God. It's out of that nothingness. And that's really the base where you drop a, a bombshell prophetic word. You, you, don't, you don't drop the main prophetic words when you're on the mountain and you've got drips of honey coming out of the trees and everything's just bright and shining and, and people are dancing by with banners and it's great. You, you, you nail those words when you are at the essence God wants the essence. That's what the remnant is. That's what, that's what we're pressed out as oil before God. The sons of the anointing, which Zechariah speaks, that fuels the ways of God in his lampstand. And, and you know, it's, it's very difficult to be as Elijah when the thing, you read the things he says to, to recognize that yes, there have been things that you've dealt with, but that's not the end game. That proves your trust in God. What you're looking to is the promise. It's the same principle everywhere in Scripture, and it is borne out right here in Zechariah, the man whose name means remember, memorialize the plan of God is being told, you prophesy to the people that it's time to let go of the past. Don't destroy it, learn from it, but look ahead. And 
this is, this is really where we are right now as a nation. You have the enemy. There are just so many promises, so many promises of God that he's going to fulfill. Now you say, well, if, if he says he's going to fill it, then we don't need to do anything. We just wait. Huh? Well, that's what a lot of people say when they say there's no spiritual warfare, there's no travail, there's none of these things. But yet, if you really say that, then you've got to start ripping out pages of Scripture that tells you you have to do this. You have to be somebody who stands in the gap. You have to be somebody who travails while Christ is being formed in your spiritual progeny. You have to be those people. And there's no way you can make that a, a pristine, clean process. Travail is travail, no matter how you dress it up. And, um, but, but the end result is great breakthrough. So you have to... You have to hold on to the promise of Yahweh, and you have to trust that, and you have to speak truth, the fulfillment and peace in your gates. Let none of you, verse 17, imagine evil in your hearts against his neighbor. Love no false oath, for all these are things that I hate, says Yahweh. Boy, that is a verse for us. It's right out of, it's God's directive. Don't get into the enemy's playbook. Don't speak evil against your neighbor. Don't, don't be those that, that imagine evil against those that are around you. That We see that. And that's, that's part of, of what um, I was speaking about earlier um, that is being lodged right now. And... Um, uh, but, but we as saints and we as Christians need to see these are the words of the Lord. This is what God says. And so, verse 18, the word of the Lord of hosts came unto me, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the fast of the fourth month, the fast of the fifth, the fast of the seventh, the fast of the tenth, shall be to the house of Judah joy and gladness, a cheerful, tobe feast. Therefore, love, emet, and peace. Love that. Embrace that. Thus says the Lord of hosts, it will come to pass that there shall come people, the inhabitants of many cities. And this is the great revival. This is the great harvest. This is the great fruitfulness that, that God promises. But how we get to that is, is so important for us to see. And, and it really is a process. It really is a process. Can you imagine... I mean, these people, these folks, um, for many years, for their, their years of captivity, these four months were just stipends. This is what we do. We all lament. We all complain. We all really thumb our nose to God, if the truth be known. And, and this was just part of their culture. All their calendars had it built in already. And here's this man standing up saying, the Lord of hosts says, don't do this anymore. That was earth shattering that for these folks. But it was the word of God. And, and instead, you align yourself to partner with the angelic armies. And you align yourself to lay claim to what God, God has promised that prophetic word of truth as if 
you, you lay claim to what he said is going to happen. Amet. Not what you hope, not what you wish, but what he said is going to happen. And you lay claim also to the fruition of how that's going to be, which is peace. And, and you, you, you love that. And you need to make sure that you don't let any division come to you. First of all, you're not going to be mourning like a bunch of, uh, of immature Christians who, who just love to languish in mourning. Um, but you also make sure that you don't allow division. Don't imagine evil against your neighbor. Don't, don't believe lies. Don't embrace those, those things that are spoken as oaths. And, you know, you see that. You see, you see the power of false prophecy. You see lies that are spoken as if they're true. And you see people deconstructing everything that they can, rewriting histories. And um, uh, it's, 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 just, it's not just a Maoist thing. It's not a Marxist thing. It is, it is a demonic thing because here is Zechariah. God speaking to Zechariah, don't do this. And so um, I believe that we as saints need to, on this, at the end of this fifth month, and, uh, and really, as, as Katie pointed out, this, this Peretz Sunday, we need to come before God and say, we believe what you've promised. I, I, I think that, who's to say what all God has wanted to accomplish during this past year that's really been somewhat of a suspension of physical activity, but certainly not spiritually. You know, why did, why did God at that memorial where they crossed over the Jordan, why did he cause those people to all be circumcised, the, all the men to be circumcised, and then they're, they're in the promised land, but they have this unavoidable time where they aren't doing anything other than being sensitive to God having things that have blocked your sensitivity to him cut away and, and to be positioned as vulnerable waiting before the promise comes. And even the way God called them to go against Jericho, six days of silent marching, silence. Man, that's, that just doesn't make much sense. But it was God's way, and it lines itself up with where we've been. And where we are right now, we're about to emerge from that. But here's Zechariah. At, at this point, they were ready to, to take a, a group back to, to help Nehemiah and to help Ezra and to help Joshua and to help all those folks. Here's Zechariah. He remembered the plan of God. But he says, before you, before you expect to do anything with the Lord, you've got to get a hold of what the plan of God is. What has he said? What has he prophesied over Jerusalem? What has he prophesied over the people of God? Forgetting that is what got you into this mess to begin with. But you have to speak that. You have to encourage one another with that. But you can't encourage everybody else with it unless you've encouraged yourself with it. And 
get rid of the gloom, despair, and agony, the old hee-haw hymn, get rid of that and begin to lay claim to what God has said. And I think God has really given us an opportunity to do that and to reflect. We've been in a position, a transitional position, um, and we've, we've stood uh, as a number of these people portraying the same principle, but a number of these mighty men and women that are listed in the Scripture. And, and I do think that as we come here on this weekend, uh, and we have a holiday tomorrow, and I guess today too, um, as we come before this table of the Lord, you know, built into this is commune with the Father. Remember what He said. Remember His words to you. Be that. You know, here's, here's something that I also need to say. In the Hebrew, the word for memorial, which was the remembrance, which is the basis for Zechariah's name, <clears throat> there are three factors of remembering. The first is to get it in your head, to let that be part of what you think. The second is that you actually live like you believe it. You do it. And the third is you speak it. Those three factors, you can look it up. Um, that, that, that's the meaning of that word. And so you find Zechariah saying the very things that his name means. You remember what you are, you act like you believe it, and you speak every man to his neighbor. He was patterning in this, in this directive what his name meant and what that word means. So anytime you see in the Hebrew, uh, in, in the Old Testament, the, the, the depictions of memorial, whether you're offering incense, which is, which is that wonderful factoring of the prayers of the saints, believe what you're doing. That's, God says it's a memorial. You burn this as a memorial. You, you think about what you're doing. You live what you're doing. And you even speak it forth. Even if it's just you before the Lord, there's power in your words. You speak that forth. Let your word go forth out of your mouth and be that. That's the extension of remembrance and memorial. And so, you know, even what, what was said when when God told Joshua, you know, you have somebody from each of the tribes, get the 12 stones, and you put this as a memorial, that when, you know, you believe what God has done, and you do what God has said, and if from that point on, if one of your uh, lineage says, what does this mean? You speak it forth. That's the essence of a memorial, and we need to let that be alive in us. So I see this really unique dichotomy here of Zechariah, Again, whose name means the memorial to Yahweh. What is God's plan? But he's saying this instruction about how you memorialize. <laughs> Speak everybody the truth in his heart and to his neighbor and, and all those wonderful things that are here, which is the definition of what it means to remember and to have a memorial. But you also must purge out this division and this ungodly sorrow and mourning and holding on to what's happened in the past that maybe didn't go the way it should have. Uh, you don't 
believe false oaths. You don't have wicked imaginations against your neighbor. That does nobody any good. And it, but it's, it's a demonic strategy. It's, it's what Satan did. And it's what Satan always does. So we are living this today. This isn't just, as wonderful as it would be, a good study in the Word. We're, you are living this right now. You're living it today. And this is a memorial weekend. And we, I speak over our nation. I speak over our veterans and over our active military. I speak that there would be a, a measure of, of uh, blessing and, and a, a true remembrance of the principles upon which this country was actually founded and what it means, liberty, and how so many other nations around the world patterned after that. And, um, and I speak that there would be strength and that any demonic devices would be rooted out, exposed, and done away with. Now again, you cannot get away from what God says is going to happen. It's, it's just the battle of the enemy trying to do it beforehand, at, before the time, which he always wants to change the times. And I, I believe that this end time move of the Spirit is, is upon us. And in the midst of this present darkness, which is a foretaste of what is coming at some point in the future, God's light can shine because of the enemy taking uh, steps um, that really he shouldn't be taking right now. Uh, God's great harvest is going to come. And, um, but we've got to pray. We've got to stand before the Lord as intercessors, and we've, we've got to remember ourselves. We've got to remember what has God said. We've got to remember what has He promised. We've got to remember our place in this. We've got to remember that uh, God has this plan. We as saints are intercessors, believing for what He wanted from the foundation of the earth, from the foundation of the world. And, and we've got to believe that what God has promised us is going to be true. It is true now. And we, we just really have to pray uh, as, as if we know this to be true, which we do. But um, we're not ignorant of the enemy's devices. Uh, I, I just... <laughs> we're, we're living in a really wonderful day. You know that? We, we really are seeing the Scriptures play out. And we, we, are, we are those that are privileged to partner with God. And so as we prepare to come to this table of commune before the Lord, I speak over these elements. We don't have the bitter sop up here, but we've been talking about that all morning. You... you Deal with it in your heart. You've you got to deal with it in, in your heart. and Believe the Lord to help you. But I speak a commune with the Father as to what He has said over your life, what He has said over our mission together as saints, and our continued commune with Him. And I speak 
the, 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 the dedication to be that and to do that. And I speak over the power of the blood, that, that the, the, the miraculous efficacy of the Spirit of God through the blood of Jesus. We overcome Him through the word of our testimony and through the blood of the Lamb. I speak that over all of us and that we will live that even now. And so I bless you over this, this day and tomorrow. And I ask that the Spirit would guide you as to what God would ask of you as an individual before Him in prayer and in fasting. And I pray that as we come to partake of this communion, that the Spirit of the Lord would work a marvelous work in all of us. You know, there's power in this. This is not just symbolic. This is not just instructive. There is power in this. And I don't know what you've needed. I don't know where perhaps um, you've struggled or, or where you felt weak. But there's power in this. There's power in the blood. There's also power in the bread. And let's believe that as we commune with the Lord, that there will be an empowerment from Him that He has ordained to give you and to give to this movement at this very time. Amen? So, Father, thank You. Let us be as, as those that are, are truly partnering with You in these days. And I want to thank You, Father, for bringing us to this point and help us to be what you would want us to be. I speak blessing over every one of this precious congregation here and those that are aligned with this congregation in Dallas. I pray blessing over our saints, family, and the various churches and prayer groups and individual outposts. Lord, let there be blessing and let there be commune with you during this unique moment. And as we come now before your table, meet with us and let us meet with you. Guide us this weekend as intercessors to offer what you would require of each of us. And let that time be blessed abundantly and may it achieve and accomplish what you have desired to do through it. And for this, Father, we thank you, we love you, and we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. And I just say this on behalf of our nation. And I know that all of you are in agreement with this. May God bless America. May God bless this country. And we thank Him for the privilege of being Americans. And we thank Him for the privileges and the freedoms He's given and we ask you, Father, that you would cause this great land to rise up once more and be a people who are touched by your Spirit in a way that there's never been a touch. Give us, Father, that visitation that you've promised. And don't let us, don't let us disintegrate into a measure of despair and wickedness. But let us see what you have promised. God bless this land. And we thank you for it. Amen. Well, let's come and receive communion.
Thank you for being here. Thank you for tuning in on this holiday weekend. And let's, um, let's enjoy our time with the Lord. And uh, God bless you all. Thanks for being here.